0: Newsday presents the Island Ice Podcast with Andrew Gross. And welcome to Island Ice, episode 13 of Newsday's New York Islanders podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Gross of Newsday. Please find me on Twitter at agrossnewsday. And happy holidays, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. I, I know you've got a lot to do this week. Uh, we're going to do a little bit of a shorter show than we've been running normally. Uh, we'll, uh, skip the Andrews answers for this week and we'll get back to that next week. But we do have an interview with Andrew Ladd, who has been recalled from Bridgeport and is looking to, uh, start his NHL career again after, uh, two pretty serious knee injuries last season in uh, 19 games down in Bridgeport as he tried to play himself back into, uh, uh, a spot where the Islanders could call him up and, uh, get him into the lineup. And, uh, let's start there this week. There is a spot for Andrew Ladd, uh, just as, you know, he's now in the mix with, uh, Michael call who's, uh, he should be available again after an upper body injury, and he in in the same kind of boat as uh, a Leo Komarov, um as as Barry Trotz tries to figure out which wingers to put into his bottom six. But that that all starts because of that kind of ghastly injury to Cal Clutterbuck in that three two shootout win at Boston uh, the other night. Um... I mean, uh, Cal, if you saw the play and, you know, uh, I hope no one's eating a a Christmas ham right now or, you know, latkes or whatever. I mean, if you recall the play, Patrice Bergeron's just skate blade gets right under uh, Clutter's left glove. And Clutter stopped on the play immediately. Luckily, he was close enough to the bench where he could get off the ice really quickly. But as you see him skating off the ice, he's holding his... Holding his wrist area, and he's got just a nasty gash along it. Um, you know, he went right to a Boston hospital for evaluation and uh, some stitches, and it was not serious enough where he couldn't fly home with the team. And the team was pretty happy they got him to the team doctors, and there was uh, surgery the next day, pretty quick. It was outpatient; he didn't spend the night in the hospital or anything, but. As as President and GM Lou Lamarillo described in a little bit of uh, detail, you know, uh, some pieces had to be uh, stitched and fixed up there, and then he was referring to the tendon. Um, so you know that was an injury that really, really, really could have been much worse than it turned out being. And but that, saying that, you know, we're, we're we're happy, of course, that Cal Clutterbuck is going to make a full recovery. Um, the problem for the Islanders is a, exactly when does he make that full recovery? All the Islanders are saying is indefinitely. Um, and, and that's a problem for the Islanders because once you take Cal Clutterbuck off that fourth line, it, it just seems to, for lack of a better word, it, it falls apart a little bit. You know, Matt Martin is certainly not as effective and, and Casey Zizekas is not as uh, effective, it seems, without clutter there as well. So that that is an issue for the Islanders to to deal with um, as far as how Barry Trotz gets his third and fourth lines together. You know, we we will touch upon that a little bit later in the show. But like I said, you know, Cal Clutterbuck out indefinitely. If you look at some of the other injuries uh, similar to this, you know, you, you might be looking at a, you know, up to two month absence, uh, for clutter. And again, I'm not a doctor and Lou Lamarillo repeatedly said he's not a doctor. So again, it's indefinitely and, you know, everyone heals a little bit differently, but, but say it's, say it's six weeks, you know, and Lou Lamarillo said mobility was not going to be an issue when he returned. He was going to make a hundred percent recovery and he was going to play this season Again, but even six weeks—you're talking about, you know, what early February. So that's a a heavy slate of games in January that that Cal Clutterbuck may not be available for, and the Islanders are going to have to try and figure out how to how to navigate that and how to get the most efficient lineup dressed each night. And you know these points. And this is cliche, and this is not breaking news at all, but these points are of utmost importance because absolutely nothing has been decided in this metro race um maybe perhaps other than the capitals look like they're gonna certainly finish first, but you know even that's not a hundred percent decided they could always dip you know injuries are a part of this um but say say the capitals are gonna finish first y- you got. the the Hurricanes, the Penguins, and the Flyers just breathing right down the Islanders neck right now for second place. And and the Islanders, you know, uh, gave away a couple of points uh, in the past couple of home games, uh, you know, or in two home games, you know, an 8-3 loss to, to the Predators that, you know, Barry Trotz sort of called an outlier in terms of He didn't think the final score necessarily indicated, you know, it wasn't that bad of a game for the Islanders. He just felt like everything the Predators shot at net that night managed to go in. But then you have a 6-5 shootout loss to the Ducks uh, also. And uh, you know what? Uh, The the Ducks were were injury-riddled and they were fielding... Uh, A lot of AHL players that night, and and you never take anything away, you know, players in the NHL, he's going to play hard, but that certainly felt like a game that the Islanders should have gotten two points out of, at least on paper, before you start. And to only come out with one point in that game was certainly a a, a big disappointment. So, you know, nothing settled for the Islanders here as we go through this uh, three-day holiday break. Um... You know, uh, before I, I look ahead to, to what happens after the break, I I want to go back to that Boston game for a second. And, you know, it, it was pretty serious uh, with Cal Clutterbuck. And, you know, that, that was a dangerous, uh, dangerous situation. Um, on a little bit of a lighter note from that game, I'm sure you remember that save Semyon Varlamov makes on Anders Bjork. Uh, who was just situated open at the the right post, and uh, you know had a wide open look at the net, and and Varlamov made a a, a diving glove save, twisting, turning, uh, you know, just put his glove in in the exact right position. And you know what? There's a lot of skill to that. I, I talked to Varley after the game. He says nine times out of ten Bjork scores right there, but. You know, as Varley said, he kind of shot it right into my glove. I, I think there's a little bit more to that. I, I think Varlamov did get his glove into the right spot. Uh, maybe he guessed right as to where he was going. or But, you know, there, there was more than luck involved in that save. It was just a brilliant save. Um, I, I don't know if anyone got to see uh, the print edition of Newsday uh, the next day. I, I, I tweeted out the photo of that save. And, and and to me, it was really, it may have been the best sports photo, uh, (laughs) at least certainly in terms of hockey that I've seen in a long, long time. And I'll give credit where credit's due. That was the Associated Press's Elise Amendola, who just came up with this shot. And, and what made it so brilliant? To me, there were three parts of it. One was she got the exact moment where where Varlamov was sticking out his glove, so she got the the save perfectly. Uh, the second part was Johnny Boychuk, who was standing right in front of the crease. Um, the expression on his face was priceless. He just had his mouth open in an O. I mean, it was like, oh my god! You know, I I put it up on Twitter. I called it like Johnny Boychuk had the perfect holy schnikes reaction and that's what I thought of because that's what I was saying when I saw that save um and then if you expand the photo a little bit the third part is that Johnny Boychuk's face mirrors all the people in the stands they all had the O face or the O mount just like looking at him it's the save like oh my god God, So, you know, I, I I asked Johnny if he had gotten a chance to see that photo and he said, yeah, he, he certainly did. And a lot of people were pointing it out to him the next day. And then he told me a pretty funny story. Um, Johnny said, you know, as he sees Varlamov make this save, he opens his mouth and he he screams kind of like, Oh, (laughs) <laughs> and that was that was a little bit of a natural reaction, but Johnny said, you know, he also did that to kind of rattle the Bruins because, you know, he knows as an opposing player, whenever a goalie makes a save on him or one of his teammates, you know, another player just chirping right there, like, oh, what a save that was, huh, buddy? You know, so Johnny was, yeah, he was he was certainly blown away by that save, but a little bit of a... You know, well, on ice, rubbing it in there, and, and John Boychuk is one of the most uh, amusing and talkative, and one of the most communicative players in the NHL. And, and you know, I, I I don't know many players who enjoy what they do as much as Johnny Boychuk, and and that's saying a lot because everyone I've met in the NHL is just you know. Privileged and and thrilled to be playing in the NHL, and, and they they understand they're playing a boys' game and getting paid some serious money to do it. So they they all have that appreciation. But but Johnny Boychuk just has this natural, you know, boyish like has fun with everything. Just he has fun in the in the dressing room. He has fun on the bench. He's always just a happy dude. And, and when he told me that, that story about, you know, kind of just a little bit of an extra oomph there to emphasize that great save by, uh, Semyon Varlamov, that, that made me chuckle. I wanted to pass that along there. So, uh, that's looking back. Let's look ahead a little bit. Like, like I said, we're going, you know, three days off here and, No rest, no rest, really. Uh, You know, three days is rest. But the Islanders on the 27th, they restart their schedule at Chicago against the Blackhawks and against and yes, against Robin Leonard, our old friend who is having a fine season. On that one-year $5 million deal, he wound up signing with the Blackhawks after contract negotiations sort of crumbled with the Islanders. Uh, I know everyone sort of wanted him back this season. Uh, I know Robin wanted to be back. Didn't work out. Be good to hopefully catch up with him. But here's what the Islanders are looking at. You know, because of the collective bargaining agreement, the, the players are mandated to take those days off. And what they're doing is basically jumping right on a plane and flying right out to Chicago. No morning skate, you know, no practice the day before. A lot of guys, you know, celebrating uh, Christmas. So, you know, really right onto the plane and right to Chicago and probably, you know, uh, maybe drop some bags off at a hotel, day room, get a nap in. But, you know, really no prep. Just go to the rink and play a game against the Blackhawks. Again, I was talking to Johnny Boychuk about exactly how to deal with this. And he said, you know, it's on each player. You know, he's going to be thinking about it through these three days, you know, to to not let himself go, to, to remind himself that at the end of all this, you know, family fun and holiday celebrations, he has got a job to do in Chicago. So, you know, whether that's somehow you know, on his own, getting a lap or two in on, on the day, on the 26th before leaving, or he said, you know, probably what's going to happen is it's going to be taking a a pretty vigorous walk, you know, making sure he gets a a good sweat in, uh, the day before on his own, you know, um, but he said the key really is, uh, when, when warm-ups come, no morning skate again, when warm-ups come, which start about a half hour before puck drop, uh, Johnny said, you have to go all out in warm-ups. You, you, you just have to get that sweat up immediately, get the legs going, get any of the kinks out, and it all has to happen in warm-ups. So, you know, I, I think that's going to be interesting to watch uh, in Chicago is exactly how the Islanders warm up. And how hard they're going. You know, Johnny's not going to be the only one. All the guys, you know, sort of talked about, you know, going from zero to 60 uh, in terms of having to get ready for that game. You know, that's, uh, like I said, you know, those warm-ups are going to be crucial to how the Islanders come out in the early going. And I do believe um the, the Blackhawks might be able to, since they're at home, they might be able to sneak in a morning skate that day. I haven't checked with the team yet. But uh, again, you know, Islanders at a bit of a disadvantage and that that starts a three-game road trip that takes us through New Year's uh, Eve Uh, and and not the easiest of road trips. Um, They're going to the Wild. They're going to Minnesota after playing Chicago. Um, You know, Minnesota, uh, they've certainly had an up-and-down season. They've had a little bit more up lately. Um, but still they they have some rough patches in their games in terms of consistency. Um, but after, after the wild, uh, December 31st, you know, into Washington match up against the, uh, the Capitals. And, uh, like I said, the Capitals are just a, a steamroller this season. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's always a hard game in Washington. So n- nothing easy for the Islanders, and and as I said uh, earlier, these points are at an absolute premium, and certainly when you're going head-to-head against Eastern Conference or or Metro teams, you know, you can't afford to give those points away, and that's why movement up and down the standings, uh, if you're out of a playoff spot, is a little bit tough uh, as you go down the stretch, because it seems like everything is a three-point game. So, you know, getting it done in regulation is just paramount. Um like I said, that's why that 6-5 shootout loss to to the Ducks felt so disappointing as as you're not going to uh get the two points there. But um you know, back to back to Andrew Ladd as we we sort of skip around going forward, going backwards, going sideways, sort of feels like the last season of lost a little bit. But uh, back to Andrew Ladd. H- how can he help the Islanders? You know, a- as I said, with Cal Clutterbuck out, Barry Trotz is going to have a little bit of a poser trying to piece together the third and fourth lines because already, I mean, Barry said, you know, without Cal Clutterbuck, certainly the Matt Martin, Casey Suzekis effectiveness is diminished. Um, that that's uh, that that's not breaking news it, just that is it's an incredible line in terms of how much greater the the sum of the parts are uh, and that's not to take anything away from them as individual players but when they get together that line has been something special and has been something special for the Islanders for a long time um, but without Clutterbuck as I said you know uh, you know, Matt Martin is not a guarantee in the lineup. And uh, Barry Trotz is, you know, a little bit concerned as to where to place Casey Sezika. So so how does Andrew Ladd help? Now, you know, he, he had a rough season last season, uh, missed 44 games uh, with a right knee injury, I believe. And then he came back and he tore his ACL on the other knee on March 24th. And that was it for the season. I think he only played 26 games the whole, all of last season. And, you know, and then, you know, he's not, clearly not close to being ready for the NHL. Um, When they first sent him down to Bridgeport and got him playing again on a conditioning assignment, they had to, you know, the the Islanders wind up putting Andrew Ladd through waivers uh, to get him on a full reassignment to Bridgeport because he, you know, he just didn't show the organization anything close enough to being being able to be brought back to the Islanders after that initial conditioning stint. Goes down to Bridgeport, plays 19 games, uh, 7 goals, 2 assists, uh, I believe, and that included 2 goals in his final game uh, with the Sound Tigers before being recalled. Andrew said the, the, the last... Maybe five games down there, you know, he really started to feel that confidence coming back. He's not going to be the player that, you know, the Islanders and Garth Snow thought they were signing uh, when he gets this uh, seven year, $38.5 million deal. You know, in in a way, you got to forget that uh, at this point. And I know it's sometimes tough to get past that, but, you know, he's in the fourth year of that deal. Um, and, and, you know, the production, maybe the, the, the point production hasn't been to what maybe Garth Snow thought he was buying at that point. And Andrew Ladd has kind of settled into more of a, you know, bottom six role when he's been with the Islanders. Then, uh, you know, certainly you pay that kind of money. You think, you know, you're, you're hoping for a top six, um, wing, but at this point, you know you, you throw that all out and you you hope with with clutterbuck out Andrew Ladd you know he does think the game well and, and Barry Trotz you know does does like his game and you know the two times he got hurt last season it was frustrating for Barry because he said he was he was getting back and playing the way the Islanders were hoping Andrew Ladd would play and, and that's you know he going to be in the offensive zone he's going to you know try and get you some offensive production um and you know they need him to to play in the corners they they need him to skate well um and you know Barry talked a little bit uh, uh sort of an offshoot we were having a conversation about Johnny Boychuk and how at you know, at Johnny's age, you know, you certainly lose a step, but Johnny has maybe gotten a step faster by knowing his angles better. And I asked if, you know, if that was an adjustment that Andrew Ladd needed to make as he comes back. And Barry said, no, that's an adjustment that Andrew Ladd has already made. So, you know, Andrew Ladd's 34. Um, You got to adjust to uh, the the marching on of, of time. So, you know, if he can get, if he can get the Islanders some points, that's great, um, Barry Trotz needs someone he can mesh with Derek Broussard, um, on a, on a third line, and, uh, you know, Andrew Ladd just, he, he's got to be able to play well defensively, um, you know, he might even be called upon to penalty kill, because these are all holes now with, with Kyle Clutterbuck out, And you know, those third and fourth lines, like, you know, Barry is, Barry really needs to figure out what he's doing with Sezekis and what he's doing with Derek Broussard. You know, he's had Derek Broussard as a third line center. He's had him as a, a, a second line wing. He's kind of goes back and forth during games at times. And, uh, you know, Barry said that's something that you'll, you'll probably see for the rest of the season as needed uh Derek Broussard will be a little bit of that uh utility player going in where necessary. Barry sees him getting more comfortable at center, which it's it's a little strange to say that because Brass is a natural center and that's pretty much where he's played, you know, uh throughout his career, but this season for for whatever reason, um he he seems to be doing better as a top six wing than he is as a as a third line center, but they just need him as the third-line center. And, you know, during the game, um, when I say the game, the first game without Cal, uh, Barry started Sezikis as a third-line center with brass on his wing, hoping to get something out of that. And then he started Leo Komarov on the fourth line in the middle. Uh, As far as what he got out of Sezikis, that didn't last too long um, because he said Casey just... And again, going back to not playing with Cal, without Cal, Cal, he seemed, Casey just seemed a little bit lost there, um, you know, because his play is so intuitive with Cal and, you know, Casey Casey's play is all based off of the forecheck and getting in and playing hard and creating off the forecheck where uh, on the top three lines, you know, the play is created sometimes more by getting it, skating it through the neutral zone and, and. and you know, setting up off the rush and that's not ne- necessarily Zekers game there. So, you know, this is going to be a little bit of a feeling out process in the early days of Cal's absence, trying to figure out how best to utilize Casey Zekers, how to get the most out of him. And that, that will be tied into how to get the most out of Derek Broussard, Um You know, before getting to, uh, Andrew Ladd, it would be wrong not to mention and to offer congratulations to John Tanelli, number 27, and to, uh, our friend Butch Goring, number 91. Um, you can say they are the original JT and the original 91, uh, if you want. Um, our, our congratulations, the Islanders announced that both those, uh, Cup winners, uh, the two of the 16 players who played for all four Cup winners, 80 to 83. They're going to join, you know, Dennis Potvan and Clark Gillies and uh, Bobby Nystrom, Mike Bossy, Brian Trottier, Billy Smith, Bill Torrey, and Al Arbor are going to join them up in the rafters with retired jerseys. And uh, couldn't be happier for those two guys. Certainly, really, really well deserving. Um, might say it, it took a little bit longer for the organization than was necessary to get those two numbers up into the rafters. But you know what, as long as it's done, that's great. And uh, I, I'm certainly looking forward to February 21st when uh, JT's number goes up and uh, February 29th when Butch Goring's number 91 uh, goes up as well. Uh Butchie is He's a little kid right now. He's bouncing off the walls. He cannot wait for February 29th. He said, you know, January and and, and February are just going to be long months for him as he waits to get to that day. So, again, couldn't be happier for those two guys. Uh, Great Islanders, great memories. Um, And and it'll be good to see, you know, a lot of the old gang back in the Coliseum for those two nights. Uh, Did a Sunday Insider um, uh, on the 22nd in Newsday, um, mentioning that, you know, I, 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 don't necessarily think that these are the last two numbers that are going to be retired. Sounds like Lou Lamarillo is all in favor of honoring, uh, the alumni. And then it's just a matter of, you know, who else gets this, uh, honor. I mean, there are certainly candidates out there, uh, you know, Eddie Westfall, uh, had a lot to do. With building, you know, getting this franchise to where it could win four Stanley Cups. Uh, He's one guy that does come to mind. I did not write about him. The two candidates I did write about, and sort of a mixed bag. I I think everyone agrees that Bobby Bourne probably deserves uh, his number up there. And then I also mentioned Pat LaFontaine, and uh, that was not necessarily unanimous. A lot of you got in touch with me. Uh, saying no to Patty, um, who is a Hall of Famer, but um, did not like the way Pat LaFontaine left the uh, organization, felt like, uh, you know, because Pat LaFontaine, quote unquote, did not win with the Islanders, was not deserving. Others thought differently. Um, I I got a lot of uh, uh, emails or uh, a lot of Twitter uh, messages in support of Pat LaFontaine, but you know, it's you can disagree with me. That's fine. I mean, uh, you know, I don't have all the answers, and uh, again, there are no Andrew's answers in this episode. But uh, you know, just throwing that out there. Uh, you know, and I, I think the bigger point is that the, the the ownership here with the Islanders, John LeDecky, Scott Malkin, has you know, in the since they've bought and taken over this franchise, they have really extended the red carpet to all the alumni. And they've worked, uh, you know, John Ledecky, I know, has worked incredibly, incredibly hard to reestablish um, some ties with some alumni who were, you know, maybe not so happy with the franchise. And you, you see it with John Tonelli getting his number up there. And I know the, the relationship between the Islanders organization and Pat LaFontaine, which was strained, After he left, you know, after six weeks as an executive, a special advisor uh, to Charles Wong, um, you know, it was a little bit of a uh, burned bridge, a little bit, but the new ownership is working really hard to reestablish that. And I'm told that uh, relations with Pat LaFontaine right now are very, very good. And I think that's a a, a good sign uh, for the future. So, um, like I said, going to uh, round out the show with my chat with Andrew Ladd, who is back from Bridgeport. He talks a little bit about what this means to him to get back into an Islanders jersey. And also, you know, just at his age, going back to the AHL, riding the buses. What was that like for Andrew Ladd? And my chat will, with Andrew Ladd will be coming up right after this message. Enter for a chance to watch the New York Islanders hit the ice with a complete VIP experience. The grand prize includes a private luxury suite for 16 guests, a jersey signed by the Islanders, and $1,000 for food and drinks. Enter by Sunday, December 29, 2019 at newsday.com slash VIP. We're here with Andrew Ladd, who's back with the Islanders after 19 games, I believe, with Bridgeport. And welcome back, Andrew. Just how does it feel to, to be back in this room and, and back in the NHL at this point?
1: Thanks. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's exciting. Um, you know, obviously, uh, it's been a long year, year and a half of, of uh, trying to get back to a point where I can play NHL games again. And, um, you know, I'm excited to, to be back up here and back to this group.
0: You know, Lou Lamarillo mentioned that when you first went down on the, you know, on the conditioning stint, which I think was three or four games, it, it didn't go quite as well as maybe you or the team expected or hoped for. Is that correct? Or what were you feeling after those first few games?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think anytime you you have that much time off, um, you know, there's a, there's going to be a period of, of time coming back where. Um, you know, it's not gonna, it's not gonna look great. So, um, you know, we he was he was great in communicating with me throughout the process, and um, we had some good conversations about it, and uh, really gave me a kind of a good mindset going going down and, and uh, or back down, and using that as an opportunity to, to find my game and, and realize that I could play you know lots of minutes and uh, in every situation and and get back to. Uh, you know just playing the way I need to play.
0: Barry Trotz has said that you know obviously you guys are kind of close together in the in the summer he said he's within like 30 miles so he would check in on you in the training could you just tell us a little bit about you know how hard that was over the summer to you know try and train and and, and get everything back into shape.
1: Um, Yeah I don't know if it was it was tough I'm pretty meticulous about training and and taking care of myself so um i think just the the end goal and and focusing on where i needed to be and getting back to um you know really playing playing games and and getting back and being part of this group was the main focus right from from the get-go so having gone through the first injury i had a little bit of a road map um on how to you know deal with the knee injury and um, you, know, you try to s- seek out some some good advice from people you trust and and go from
0: there what was it like being with bridgeport you know obviously that's a development league a lot of younger guys you know they they Lou and Barry you know both praised your attitude down there said you were a great leader for some of the younger guys what what was it like being put in that position I know you've been in a, a, a captain in this league so you know you're not a stranger to being a leader but you know to be kind of a role model or a guy that you know the younger guys are looking up to
1: yeah I think you know the difference of going down there I mean we have it's a young team first and foremost You have you know Simon holmstrom who's 18 and, and Wally who's 19 and Bodie wildes 19 so there's a lot of young kids um, who really just uh, I'm sure there was a, a, you know, kind of a, a period of time where they're just getting used to being around me, and um, then it kind of softened up a little bit, and, and a lot of questions questions started to flow, and just guys interested in in my career and, and what I'd done, and you know, um, you know, being part of, of a couple you know Stanley Cup teams, and just a lot of questions from from that regard, and. Um, which which was a lot of fun makes you kind of feel feel old but uh <laughs> but uh we know that's inevitable so uh it, it was really it was it was great and then on ice to just just being able to you know use the experience that i have up here and uh that transition of trying to come from junior hockey or, or school and and just really learn the pro game which is um the biggest thing for a lot of young guys just the details of the of the game um you know i tried to help out as, as much as possible so but uh, they got a great group of veterans on there too they got you know colin mcdonald and um you know ben thompson and kyle burroughs does a great job of leading and seth helgeson so really uh, a great group of, of leaders that um you know I, I just try to help out when i can
0: we, we were kind of chatting before i turned the microphone on but yeah. What, what what to you is the quintessential like ahl experience you talked about some of those older rinks but what what, what? I,
1: think I, <laughs> I think i had a few down there um so we had uh, the schedule was a little interesting um you know we went played, i think we played utica on a saturday syracuse on a on a uh, sunday um which were two, you know, extremely—they're old, old, uh, <laughs> historic arenas—and and have a lot of character. Um, then uh, we came back, played Utica at home, and then went back to Utica again, uh, Utica Hershey, and then uh, at home. So, uh, just you know, the bus ride back on on the bus rides, and, and the you know after games, uh, you know, everybody putting ordering their food from a restaurant, and putting money in a cup. Uh, I think that's always kind of one of your first HL experiences that you don't really forget is, you know, putting putting money in the cup for your dinner after the, after the game, and there's always one, one guy or a few bucks missing. So, <laughs> so that was uh, all that stuff. But I, it was you know, it's funny kind of coming full circle too because I had that experience at the start of my career, and um, you know, really makes you appreciate the time you, you've had up here and uh, and and the grind that those guys are going through down there too you know it's 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 a it's a long haul to, to get here and i mean there's a lot of guys that have played a lot of games down there and you respect the fact that they show up each and every day and and bring it and, um, you know, and really a tough league with a tough schedule. And You're playing a lot of teams, you know, you know three times and maybe four or five games. And, you know, I think we played Springfield three times in a row. So, uh, you know, just getting used to that stuff. Yeah, I was
0: going to say you're probably going to appreciate the the team charter flights. All
1: yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. So, I mean, we'd definitely uh, make you appreciate, you know, all the different aspects up here that, Uh, really make it, you know, a special place to play, but it's not not bad to be grounded every once in a while too and and make you appreciate it even that much more.
0: I know, you know, I'm not saying this is around the corner, but this experience, you know, kind of being in that leadership role, have you thought at all about, you know, coaching or doing something, you know, once you are, whenever you are done playing?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I think you think about it, but it's – it's kind of a down-the-road thing um, you know I, I think the opportunity to kind of coach my my kids and and, uh, and help them through it if, if they choose to take on hockey or they different you know different sports is something you, you start to think about it as, as they go older and, and try to pass along some of the, the knowledge that that you have uh, but, uh, you know, it's, it's tough to be a coach uh, at the professional level, too, and they, they make a lot of sacrifices and, and commitments to the game that I'm sure, you know, people from the outside, uh, you know, don't truly don't really understand or appreciate. So, uh, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't act like I could just jump right into it, but uh, I think it's definitely something that, that uh, interests me.
0: Just Just to wrap it up here, what is – How much of motivation is is to prove that you're still, you know, an NHL player at this point coming off those two knee injuries?
1: Um, yeah, I I don't know if it's about proving anything. I I think, um, you know, I think my track record speaks for itself. It definitely gives you hunger to to come off and come back and, um... (laughs) you know have a little little chip on your shoulder and for for me I think I've always played better um, and and perform better with with that chip on my shoulder so I, I definitely uh, don't think it's a, it's a bad thing and you know I, like I said I'm just excited to to be back and I think you'll appreciate the opportunities and just you know try to enjoy it man I got have have fun playing an NHL game and, and you know don't you know just enjoy the moment be a part of the moment and and not get bogged down by, by expectations or or, uh, or anything else.
0: Well listen Andrew, I appreciate the time. Happy holidays, welcome back and it's great to see it.
1: Alright, thanks Andrew. Appreciate
0: it. So welcome back to Andrew Ladd. Uh, appreciate him taking a few minutes to chat with us about his return to the NHL. Best wishes to him as he resurrects and tries to, uh, get on with his NHL career here with the Islanders. Thank you all for listening this week. Uh, next week we'll, uh, get back to a little bit more of a regular format, include some Andrew's answers next week in episode 14, but until then, thank you all. Have a happy, happy holidays as you, uh, uh, as you, uh, celebrate it with your families, uh, wishing you all the best, uh, wishing you a happy and healthy new year coming up and, uh, wishing for peace on earth. Certainly, uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of thoughts that way. And, uh, also wanted to send out a thank you to my producer, Mark LaMonica, for helping me piece all this together. Happy, uh, happy holidays, buddy. Enjoy it. And, uh, you know, I'm your host, Andrew Gross. You can find me on Twitter at agrossnewsday. You can find the Island Ice podcast and everything I write uh, on the Newsday website, newsday.com backslash sports. There's a dedicated Islanders uh, homepage. Like I said, it has the Island Ice podcast. All of them has everything I write. You can also find Island Ice on SoundCloud. You can find it on Apple. You can find it on Google. You can find it on Spotify and you can find me right back here next week with episode 14. But until then, like I said, happy holidays and
1: happy hockey. Enter the Octagon for a special edition of Newsday Live with MMA fighters Chris Weidman, Matt Serra, and Aljamain Sterling. Tuesday, January 14th at 6.30. Newsday subscribers save 50%. Tickets now available at newsday.com MMA Live.